Ferris Bueller, do you know him? Yeah, he's getting me out of summer school. They think he's a righteous dude. Think he'll be alive this weekend? I can see him denying popular belief, setting off on some impossible mission. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. He does whatever he wants. You know, as long as I've known him, everything works for him. Whatever he wants. He's very cool, and he never gets nailed. Ferris can do anything. Oh, he's such a sweetie. Wake up and smell the coffee, Mrs. Bueller. It's a fool's paradise. He is just leading you down the primrose path. Matthew Broderick. Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's day off. Because life is too beautiful a thing to waste. So watching that trailer and watching that earlier little supercut of 80s films, I just I get a little sentimental. Like Neil, I was a child, a product of the 80s, and of all the decades, they're, they're piling up on me now, um, of all the decades I've ever experienced, 80s was my very favorite. Uh, 80s was the best decade to grow up in. And um, just a couple examples, uh, the music was better than any music ever. So the 80s music, that's why I play guitar, because I want to be the guy in spandex someday, and the long hair, and... Yeah, I just like, I just loved 80s music, loved that, like heavy metal, just, oh, so great, ripping guitar solos and theatrics, and I loved all that stuff. Uh, the clothing in the 80s was great. Uh, you know, we can laugh and make fun of it now, but it was baggy, so it was very comfortable and very colorful. So if you're a guy, it'd be totally cool to wear like neon pink, and it was just, it was cool. And the hairstyles, oh, I loved the 80s hairstyles. You know, everyone knocks the, like, the mullet. I can't wait for them to bring it back because it's not just a hairstyle. It's, it's a lifestyle, you know, so, so mullets were great. But probably, you know, maybe the best thing of the 80s was the great and iconic and quotable movies. I mean, I think some of the greatest movies were made in this decade. Um, I'm kind of looking at that list right there, and I'm thinking, man, some of the, some of the quotes of these movies actually defined a whole decade. Uh, the example is, greed is good. That's from a movie up there on that, on that screen. Um, complete the sentence. I feel the need, the need for? Yeah, I'm around friends here. This is so cool. Talk to me, Goose. Uh, one of my, the, I've ranked my favorite films of all time. This is how geeky I am. And the number three film and movie of all time on my list is on that uh, picture right there. I'll let you figure out which one it is. But I can quote the entire thing. The absolute entire thing. And so movies these days, I don't know if people quote those anymore, but that's just something we did in the 80s. I know different times, but man, I love the 80s. I want you to think about the first job you ever had. Okay, so just kind of get that in your mind. Now, I'm not talking about mowing lawns when you were seven or eight or, you know, you babysat your sister or something like that. Uh, I'm talking about the very first job where you actually had to go and fill out an application and you had to get an interview and they hired you and, and just kind of the rush that was. I mean, you probably all who have had a job know what that was like and you can place yourself there. And so that was, I had a, I had a great first job. Uh, before I tell you what that is, I can remember the exact date of my first job. It was Wednesday, June 11th, 1986. You might say, how do I know what that date was? Well, I actually Googled it. Yeah, I'm pretty famous, right? I, I didn't, no, I didn't, I didn't type in, you know, what was Chip's first day on the job. No. Um, well, let me tell you my job first. My job was a movie ticket ripper, all right? So I'm 15 years old, and I ripped the tickets. You know, I was that guy. 
And on Wednesday, June 11th, 1986, that was my first day at work, and that was the day that this movie called Ferris Bueller's Day Off um, was released to the world. And so me and this movie, we are like eternally linked. Um, So that was my job is to like, you know, herd everyone in to this great uh, movie. And so it has a special place in my life. Um, If you've never seen the movie, I'm just going to explain the plot to you. And I'm just going to read this verbatim from the uh, IMDb, okay? So here it goes. A high school wise guy is determined to have a day off from school. That's it. You know, John Hughes, who, who wrote and directed this movie, I just, I picture him like, what, what did he do like in his pitch meetings to the money guys, right? Did he go and say, okay, there's like this guy and he's, he wants a day off from school. Give me your money, right? I mean, <laughs> must have been a great pitch. I don't know what he did, but it definitely wasn't like the most complicated of plots in this movie. Um, I did some quick internet research on this movie, okay? There's a lot of really interesting facts. I just got lost in reading them all, but two interesting facts. One is that um, the actors besides Matthew Broderick, who were considered for the role of Ferris Bueller, uh, there was Rob Lowe, Jim Carrey, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, and Robert Downey Jr. And you think about how different these movies would have been if one of those people had been cast. Like if Robert Downey Jr. had been cast as Ferris Bueller, just think how different that would be. I mean, just let your imagination. Can you imagine Iron Man playing like Ferris Bueller? It, just, it wouldn't be the same movie. It'd still probably be really cool and great, but just not the same. Um, here's another interesting fact about the movie. It's most famous line. Can you all quote the famous line of the movie? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a one word, Bueller with a question mark. Say it as monotone as you possibly can. This guy who um, did that, he was playing an economics professor, and um, his name is Ben Stein, and just, he had only a couple of, like, very quick scenes. I think he only had, like, two or three scenes, and they were really, really short, and this is what defined the movie, and it set him on a course of, of fame for the rest of his life, and, um, you know, I still can't think of... Every time I hear the term or I think about this movie, I'm thinking like voodoo economics, voodoo economics. That's actually going to be the name of my fantasy football team this year, voodoo economics. So y'all look out. I'm going to tear it up with my voodoo economics class. But Ben Stein called Ferris Bueller's Day Off the greatest movie in the post-war era. Uh, This movie had a huge impact on him personally. And this is, he's a really smart dude. So for him to kind of just like look at all the movies and say this is the most important film of the post-war era, it's, it sounds like hyperbole. But I found this quote and I just thought this was amazing. Ben Stein says, it will never die, speaking of the movie, because it responds to and calls forth such human emotions. We want to be free. We want to have a good time. We know we're not going to be able to all our lives. We know we're going to have to buckle down and work. We know we're going to have to eventually become family men and women and have responsibilities and pay our bills. But just give us a couple of good days that we can look back on. I just feel good when I, when I read that quote. I feel good when I, when I watch this movie. It's like, that's what it's all about. You know, just getting to the, the end of your life and just give us a couple of good days that we can look back on with, with good feelings. And so that's, that's kind of the reason I'm here today to talk to you, uh, to develop some practical and applicable strategies to slow life down, to kind of take a Ferris Bueller's approach and mindset to life and so that we can have a couple of good days to look back on, that hopefully we get to the end of our life and we know that we invested our time well and we can look back and say, yeah, that was a, that was a life worth 
lived. And my hopes in that, giving us some practical tips and strategies to slow life down, that um, the benefit for us is that you will enjoy your life more. You will enjoy your relationship with God more. And probably most importantly is that your relationships with the people that you love and you um, strive to, to influence, um, will be stronger and deeper and more meaningful. So I want to read a passage that I'm sure many of you have heard before or maybe you're somewhat kind of familiar with. Whether you grew up in church or not, you've probably seen these. Uh, at Easter time every year, um, uh, Charlton Heston gets up and, and, and quotes this, and maybe Mel Brooks has done this before. Uh, but for dramatic effect, okay, I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible, okay? So this is Exodus 20, verse 8 to 10, and it says this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Um, so one of the big rules of God, these are one of the ten commandments, okay? And so a little, you know, quick history here is this happened. Uh, Moses went to this, this mountain and, and God bestowed upon him, these are the ten commandments that I want you to have and, and give to the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel is just a brand new nation. They were just led out of centuries of captivity and slavery in Egypt. And Moses, used by God, leads these people out of, out of slavery. And now they're this new nation. And they're trying to kind of figure out, what do we do, right? And so God says, okay, here's your, here's your laws. Here's the ten big ones. Here's your version of the Constitution. Okay, and so God gives them some of the big ones. So you, you probably know some of these, right? Um, Thou shalt not murder, right? So if you're going to be like a new nation, it's probably good for you not to go around killing each other. All right, so don't, don't kill people, right? That just kind of helps a nation get off the ground. Uh, Thou shalt not steal, right? So if you're going to be a new nation with new economy, you don't want to be like, you know, ripping people off. Just kind of makes sense. And then my favorite commandment in the whole list, my very favorite one, thou shalt taketh a day offeth. Love that. Why? I mean, it makes practical sense, right? Okay, it's like, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, take a day off. It kind of doesn't feel like it fits. Well, why would God institute a law like this? Why would this be in the, the top 10? Um, there's some clues in, in the Bible about this, uh, but the answer to that is I, I really don't know. I don't really know why God this. So I'm just going to kind of theorize two reasons. Uh, so I don't know if I'm right on this, but this is just kind of my own little theories, is that God was instituting a system of dependence upon him, is that in that time and day, no one took a weekend off from work. No one took two weeks vacation to my Miami or Maui or any of that kind of stuff, right? They, they worked 365, 24-7. Because if you didn't work, you know, if you ran out of supplies, you just didn't go to Walmart and, and restock. I mean, you had to forage and hunt. And if you didn't work in that environment, you could die, okay? You would not be uh, nourished. And so I think what happens is that God is like setting up a, a system to say, okay, you work, work six days and do that. But on that seventh day, I want you to stop working. And I want you to be reminded of where all these blessings come from. I want you to be reminded of who led you out of Egypt, 
I want you to be reminded of where your provision comes from and where your sustenance comes from, where your, your purpose in life comes from. So that's, that's one idea. I think another one is, is that I believe God knows us very, very well. I think he knows the nation of Israel and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows we have a tendency to max out. This isn't just a, a modern problem. This has been going on since uh, the dawn of time is that humans have a tendency to achieve and to max out and to go, 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 rush, rush, rush. And I think in instituting a day, um, 14% of a week to just say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to stop. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to connect with each other. I, th I think that might have been part of God's plan. So let me ask you the question. What would it look like for you to take a day off? 14% of your week to take a day off where you don't do errands, where you don't work around the house, where you, uh, where you just shut down, where you unplug, where you, um, where you just decompress from life. Um, I've been doing this for the past 18 years. Uh, Friday is my Sabbath day, to use the religious term, but it's, it's my day off. And it's the one day of the week where I do everything I can to just protect that and draw strict boundaries around that. So I do no emails and I don't think about you or Velocity or anybody else. I love you, but I'm just not thinking about you on Friday. You know, if you've tried to text me or call me on Friday, I've given you the whole cold shoulder. It's nothing personal. I just try to keep that day um, focused on just rejuvenating myself. And I will tell you this, that for 18 years of doing that, I have not been perfect at all. Um, but I, I've noticed very quickly that the days that I cheat, um, the days that I, you know, I didn't get the lawn mowed, you know, uh, Monday through Friday, so I oh, got to do it on, on Friday. The days where I just max out or try to get more things done on my to-do list that I didn't get done before that, I pay the price. I always pay the price. In terms of when I start work the next day, um, I'm fried. I've got nothing. I've got no creative juices. I don't have any passion. I'm just kind of mailing it in. And, um, and not only do I suffer, but the people that I love suffer. I'm usually a little more snippy, a little more snotty. You know, I've probably slept less. And, but the opposite is so true. When I just guard those Fridays or that 24-hour period and I draw great boundaries around that, man, I do the very opposite. I might have less stuff done on my to-do list and less tasks that I got done. But man, I, I, I start work on Saturday morning and 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 the brain is firing on all cylinders, and um, I'm rested. I feel like I'm more attentive to the people that I love and care about and more focused on their needs as opposed to just my own. I mean, it just has huge benefits, not only for me, but hopefully for the, the people around me. So, um, so take a day off. What would that look like for you to, to do that? You know, maybe another clue why God wants us to take a day off is found in the Psalms. And so I'll read a couple of verses from Psalm 90. And I found this very interesting because this psalm is penned by Moses, the guy that we were just talking about that received the Ten Commandments. This is a prayer of Moses recorded for us, and so we get kind of a window into his thinking about some of these issues. So Psalm 90 says this in verse 10, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Wasn't that a very positive message? Uh, you're going to live 70 years, maybe 80, if you know, you're strong enough, if you're lucky. Um, 
the best of these years, they're just full of trouble and sorrow. They, they pass by so fast. Oh, time is just going so fast. We've all said that. And then you die. You know, aren't you glad you came to church today? Doesn't that feel good? You know, aren't you so glad to be reminded of your mortality and your time that's limited? Earlier in this psalm and in this prayer, he compares our lives to grass. I made me think of a couple passages. One in Isaiah 40, verse 6 and 7. Isaiah writes, All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord flows on them. Surely the people are grass. And then in James chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? Although he just stops, why? Why would you do that? Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Okay, he's going to define what your life is right here. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So Isaiah and James have both told us that the breadth of your life and my life is grass and mist. You know, grass that grows one day, gets brown the next day, dies. Mist that spray a little spray out of a bottle and just dissipates. You know, I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all because I like to think I'm kind of important. You know, I've got important stuff to do and important work. You know, that my time is unlimited. Um, nope, your life is but mist and grass in the Bible. So, Glenn, aren't you glad you came to church today? This is such a positive message. Let's go back to Psalm 90. So this is Moses again talking. And he says this, Teach us, God, teach us. Teach us to number our days. Why? So that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. All right, so this is the reason I'm talking to you today. And I'm going to flash something on the screen here in a second. And uh, maybe this is a great time to, to take out a, a, your cell phone, to take a picture of this thing. And maybe this could be your desktop for the week. I'll actually get out of the frame because, you know, this will be a better picture if you just get this. Because I think this is so key. If you get nothing out of this message, uh, it's my hope and prayer that this thing will just resonate with you. So the quote is this. Our time is limited so we need to limit how we spend our time. Our time is limited. So we need to limit how we spend our time. I want to just take the first part of that phrase. Our time is limited. Let's just talk about that for a second. Um, we are finite beings. We don't have unlimited time. But here's the crazy thing. Sometimes we act like we do. You know, sometimes we act like we do when we're just cranking our to-do list, when we're busy, 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 go, 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 hurry, 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 rush, rush, rush. We're acting like we have unlimited time when we're ignoring uh, the deep, meaningful relationships that are around us. Our chief end, I believe, is, as human beings and as children of God to, to love other people and serve one another in love. We're missing that because um, we, we live like we're always going to have our parents with us. We're always living like we're going to have our children with us or our pets with us. I mean, just insert whatever. Sometimes we just act like we have unlimited time, but we, we know that we don't. And so it's good to be reminded of that. It's very sobering to hear that in, um, in this psalm, for Moses to tell us to teach us to number our days, teach us to know that we have an end coming, and we better be careful how we limit and how we spend our limited time. There was this British 
economists in the 1930s. And he said this, uh, his name is John Maynard Keynes, and he said, our grandchildren will work around three hours a day and probably only by choice. He was a really smart dude, but man, he got this one a little wrong. You know, he, in the 1930s, it's kind of like the heart of the Industrial Revolu Revolution, and so he's lived through where there wasn't a whole lot going on, and all of a sudden there's factories and motor cars and there's appliances being invented, and I don't know if there were robots in the 30s or whatever, but he's looking at all this stuff and going, man, our grandchildren, they're only going to work about three hours a day and only if they want to. You know, and fast forward to 2018, how are we doing with that? You know, we've got all sorts of great gizmos and gadgets that make life easier to make it more efficient, and uh, we're, we're not working less. Far from it. The exact opposite of that. So I just want to kind of guide us through just two little exercises that will kind of help us just kind of take an inventory of our life that I think will be will helpful as we kind of consider these things. The first is that I want you just to consider the end of your life, whenever that's going to be. I mean, maybe it's in 40 years or 30 years or you know, maybe just around the corner for you, who knows. Uh, this is assuming you don't die in some tragic accident today as you leave here, but just think about your, your funeral. And I think funerals fall into one of two categories. They're usually, well, I'm not talking about the, the funerals that are tragic, uh, that are really, really unexpected, or maybe someone who's really young, but you know, someone who's just lived you know, a life. And the categories are this. One is that the people going to this funeral have to kind of make up stuff about you. You know, they're kind of searching in their head, like, you know, what, what was this guy's life like? I mean, I was at a funeral one time, and, and I, I heard this from a couple people, like, well, he really loved Hot Wheels. Man, he had a great Hot Wheels collection. He loved his Hot Wheels. That was kind of about it. Or, you know, she loved her dresses. Man, she just had a great closet full of amazing dresses. I mean, she never wore the same dress twice. Wow. Is that the kind of funeral you want? Of course it isn't. Because there's these other kind of funerals that I know you've all been to. The ones where people aren't making stuff up, but they just can't stop talking about the person who died. They cannot stop talking about the stories. And there's lots of laughter, and there's lots of joy, and there's, there's tears of sadness, but also of happiness. And that is a picture of a life worth lived. That is a picture of a life that is invested and other people. And what kind of funeral do you want to have? What kind of funeral do you want? What kind of legacy do you want to live? And it's all predicated on where you spend your time and how you invest your time today. Okay, that season of oh, as soon as life slows down, as soon as that other season happens, then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. No, it, it has to happen today. Tomorrow will never come when it comes to that. Here's the other exercise I want us to think about. Uh, I'm going to read a list of uh, just 10 attributes, and I want you to ask this question. Um, do you enjoy being around a person who is blank? Okay, so I want you to just think about, you know, people in your life, and do you enjoy being around a person that has these attributes? Okay, so here are the attributes. Hurried, maxed out, stressed out, anxious, rushed, impatient, high-strung, tense, panicky, and jittery. <laughs> my cortisol, my cortisol just spiked reading that list. Do you enjoy being around a person who's always bleh, anxious, always tense, always panicky, impatient. You know, if you're like in the dating scene, is that something you put on your eHarmony? I'm looking for someone who's really hurried and rushed around. Like, that's, that's the kind of person I'm looking for. You know, of course not. You don't like being around a person like that. Maybe you have a boss like that, or 
if you know someone that's close to you like that. I mean, we, we naturally, I think, shy away from people like that. I think because that's contagious. You know, when I'm around someone who's driving and panicky and stressed out, man, that just makes me stressed out. And you're probably the same. Here's probably a more important question, and this one's a little bit, a little bit tougher. Because uh, this, this is hard stuff to see in the mirror. But of that, of that list, um, how many of those uh, words would describe you? Now, I'm not talking about maybe, oh, I've just got a, had a really, really hard week and a lot of stuff going on, but, like, how many of these attributes describe you? Now, if you're married, don't be nudging your, your, uh, your spouse or, you know, I, I want you to look in the mirror. This is really hard stuff to see in the mirror, but what kind of attributes do you have? And maybe, you know, that's not your MO and that's, that's fine, but I will say this. The more of these that describe you, the less likely people want to be around you. The less people will like you. And then maybe you're thinking, well, I don't care if anyone likes me. I'm not a people pleaser. I'm a high achiever. I got stuff to do. Um, How about this? Is that, you know, the more that these attributes describe who you are and the way that you behave, um, the less likely you'll be able to to lead people, to influence people, to have an impact on their life. Uh, Stephen Covey, and maybe before I get to the Stephen Covey quote, I know this sounds like preacher talk. Um, I, I get that. I really do. I mean, you're probably like, Chip, yeah, that's all good and well, but you have no idea the job stress I have. You have no idea the boss I work for. Uh, you have no idea the projects that I manage. Uh, so don't talk to me about this stuff. Or maybe your mom, hey, I got eight kids. There's just no way I can slow life down. I, I totally get that. Um, but I ran across, the, across this quote that I think is, is challenging to, to me and probably to all of us. It's from Stephen Coveney, Covey, who... Um, wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Maybe you've heard that or read that, but um, he said this. He said, he said you can't be efficient in your relationships. Can't. You cannot be efficient in your relationships. And I would in- insert some of those other attributes. You cannot be hurried in your relationships. You cannot be stressed out in your relationships. And I'm talking about relationships that we all long to cultivate and have. You know, the deep, meaningful relationships that are life-giving both ways is that you cannot be efficient. You cannot hurry through those because they take time and they take investment of us. Um, if, you're, if you're a Jesus follower, I just kind of want to talk to you for a second. So if you're not a religious person, if you don't um, call yourself a Christian, you can kind of just tune out for the next minute, okay? So I just want to talk to people that are followers of Christ. If that is you, you have an additional um, prerogative um, you have an additional, let's call it an incentive, because Jesus left us with one command and one command only. Do you remember when someone came to Jesus and they said, you know, what's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? Kind of like of those ten commandments, what's the one that we need to focus on? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And he didn't pause there. You know, you might look at that commandment and say, oh, well, that's what I do. I just love God. I just go home and I just express my love to him. I love, love God. No, Jesus says the way that you love God, the way that this is accomplished is by how you love others. He said the second is like it. In the same way that you love God, you need to love other people. That is the way that is manifested. That is the way it is expressed. It is the way that is lived out in our love and our service to other people. It's the only thing that Jesus left us with. And I would say it's the only thing Jesus cares about is our, is our lives being lives that are invested into service and to love for other people. Uh, so I just want to give us uh, three 
quick little challenges. So these might be kind of fun, but I think they'll be challenging. And these are just practical, applicable, dorky things that I think that will help us begin to kind of cultivate, cultivate a life that is less busy, less hurried, less stressed out, where, where we're more mindful and where we're more uh, set on being still and knowing that God is God. So the first one is this. Eliminate the phrase, I'm so busy. This comes in a lot of different forms, like life is cray-cray, right? You know, that here's the deal. Busyness is our national religion, right? We wear it like a badge of honor. You know, when we say we're oh, so busy, we've all said this. I say this all the time. I'm not going to say this anymore to anyone, hopefully ever again, because when I say that I'm so busy, I mean, I'm not really thinking this, but I'm kind of saying, like, I'm a pretty important guy, right? I've got big, important stuff to do. I'm so busy. My tasks are, you know, no one else can do these. I am, I'm a big deal here. And it also says to the person I'm telling I'm so busy is that you probably aren't as busy as me because if I'm telling you how busy I am, you have less time than I do, Right? So let's not ever do that again. Let's never tell anyone we're so busy. We all have the same amount of time. We're just choosing different ways to invest it. But this, this is a war. I believe this is important stuff, is that there's a whole culture that tells us that busyness is a good thing. You know, I want you to go to your friend and say, man, I'm not that busy, man. Yeah, life is good. I've got some good boundaries going on. Uh, yeah, life is cool and slow. I mean, that's not going to maybe get you promoted at work, but it's a, it's a lifestyle that I think that we all need to, to grow in. Uh, number two, let's find some fun and creative ways to slow life down. Uh, before I get to that, I want to just tell you one thing that um, I want to encourage you not to do, okay? So here's the, I'm going to tell you what to do in a second, but here's what not to do. Uh, don't go ever to this store, ever, okay? The quick, n easy, okay? I'll tell you why, because I, I had to stop and take a picture of this because I was just like, that's a really interesting title for for a store. These are convenience stores, right? And so this speaks to our modern culture of fast, 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 go, 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 hurry, hurry, rush, rush, right? Is that I know what I'm getting in there. I know it's going to be quick. Mm. They can't even say and in their title, right? It's like too long. So it's like, it's going to be quick and it's going to be easy. All right, I get my cigarettes and my lottery ticket and my, you know, my soda and my hot dog on the little rollers and, you know, pizza under the heat lamp. It's going to be quick. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be healthy. It's going to wreck you know, you physically and all that kind of stuff, but it's quick and it's easy. And that's what we all want, right? I just, and by the way, I'm not really saying we need to boycott convenience stores or never go in there again. I'm kind of talking tongue-in-cheek about that. But we need to do things, I believe, intentionally to slow life down. And this is why I'm not a convenience store owner because I would say something like, hey, come to my store. It's called uh, Slow and Difficult. Right? It's not a very good marketing strategy, right? No one wants to go to a store like that. And I'm not saying be inefficient, and how we live our lives. Um, I'm all about that. I'm all about taking shortcuts and figuring out how to optimize life and to, and to live as efficient and functional as possible. But um, here are some things that I'm just doing, and these are really, really dorky, okay? So I admit that, but these are, these are important uh, disciplines in my life to help me slow down. The first is that I'm not using a microwave anymore. I started doing this a couple months ago where I stopped using a microwave. It's less about the food that tastes gross when you microwave it, but it's more about the hey, let me just put the reheated chicken in a pan and put it on the stove, and rather than it taking, you know, 30 seconds to get nuked and radiated, I'm just going to, you know, stop. And the, the food tastes better, but it just it gives me a chance just to, to pause. And, again, this is really dorky, I know. I've, I've got even a dorkier one, is that I've got really um, 
great tap water, okay, flowing out of my, my kitchen faucet. And I love tap water. It only takes three seconds to, to fill up this water bottle. But I, I've also got this spigot out of my refrigerator that's an extra layer of amazingness. It's like purified and I don't know what they do, but it tastes better and I know it's better for me. But the, the tendency is then like on the fast days, I just want to rush and just fill it up really quickly. So instead of the three seconds, I put it in the refrigerator and it takes... I think it takes like a minute, okay? Maybe I need to change my filter, you know? But <laughs> it takes like a minute and it's just slow and I'm bored during that, you know? But here's what I do. I use this as a time to first of all, thank God that I have amazing water, that I even have a choice between clean water and even more purified water. I mean, some people in the world don't even have that choice. So it, it's just a discipline for me to say, I'm really thankful that I have this life-sustaining uh, spigot of life-giving water here. It slows me down. I'm able to pray in that minute maybe think about some things that I want to do next on my to-do list. I mean, it's just a great little discipline, and the, and the water is just, it's really amazing. Excuse me for a second. Hmm. Quality H2O. Sorry, wrong decade of quotes of movies. Um, here's another thing I do, and this isn't in terms of just being efficient, but it's, it's helping me be more mindful, is that I love to have my headphones in. I, you know, work out in them, and I just have them all going all the time. I actually don't listen to music, which is surprising because I'm like, you know, the music guy up here a lot, but I listen to like podcasts and, and I just love getting inspired and I just round the clock. It seems like I'm always listening to something, but I started taking my headphones out when I know I'm going to be in a public place, uh, like the gym or like at a store. And it's really hard for me because I love to just kind of get in my own little world and my own little zone and just kind of go through life. And, and it's just a way for me to kind of decompress but I really felt convicted by God with this, is that, you know, look for opportunities to, to reach out to people. Um, look for opportunities to, to use your life as, a, as, a, as maybe some light to someone else. And again, I haven't, since I've been doing this for about a month, I haven't had any big, you know, revelations or angels singing from the sky or anything like that. But, um, but I'm just using this as a, as a way to just be less unplugged, to be more mindful of, of people and their needs. And it's been a great, great discipline for me. But I noticed that my... I'm just slower when I do that. I'm more intentional about uh, just living life doing that way. Um, and here's another thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a tool to help you with this, a very practical tool. We've been doing this for uh, almost, I don't know, I think since the beginning of the year, but we have a Sunday night yoga class. It's in that big room over there. I go to it every week. It's uh, from 6 to 7, and it's, it's beginner yoga, okay? So it's not anyone doing handstands or anything funky. It's just real, just basic movements. So it's great for your body. It's great to kind of stretch muscles. And, but I think that the biggest benefit is it's an hour where we're unplugged. It's an hour where we're being still. It's an hour where we're thinking about things like, like breathing and praying. And we have some Christian music, so we're worshiping God. And it's, it's just an amazing benefit for that. So I just want to encourage you to come tonight and, and check it out. It's, uh, again, you do not have to be like a yoga master. There's no weird language that makes you like, feel dumb. I mean, it's all stuff that's really, really beginner and basic. But uh, I always benefit from it, and the people that come benefit as well. So take advantage of that. Did I, did I mention it's free? Free. None dollars. Very cool. All right, last, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Thou shalt taketh a dayeth offeth. Uh, here's an idea. This coming Saturday, so six days from now, on August 11th from 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. So it's not even 24 hours. It's only 23 hours and 59 minutes. Uh, we're going to do a planned power outage. 
Okay, we did this earlier in the year with our little uh, fit group, so maybe a couple of you did that, but what this is, is like, this is going to be 24 hours where as a church, or maybe you have friends that don't go to our church, I mean, you, I would love for you all to reach out to your friends on social networks or wherever and just say, hey, would you join us in this plan power edge? So for 24 hours straight, starting on Saturday night, we're going to um, uh, unplug, turn off your cell phones and lock them away, power down your iPads, no video games, no TV, no internet. Some of you guys are panicking right now thinking about what would that be like to not be able to post you know, pictures of my food for 24 hours. People will think I've you know, gone to the grave. Uh, if, if that causes you any kind of stress, then that's a great indication of like, this is for you. This is for you. We did this earlier in the year and again, um, I didn't actually, I did this, but I didn't even read a book because I know that when I read books, my brain's firing and I'm thinking of stuff. Uh, so I'd say keep the lights on, read books if that's good for you. Maybe you just need to sleep all day. Maybe that would be the best way to, to spend your time. But here's what I decided to do beforehand. I decided, I said, I'm going to go to Starbucks at 9 a.m. and I'm going to get a cup of, you know, venti, Pike Place coffee. Oh, so good. And I'm just going to sit there. No, nothing to look at, no phone, no newspaper, no, no nothing. I just sat there for an hour and drank black coffee. It felt so weird. It felt... I, like I was doing something wrong, I was bored. I looked weird because people were coming to me like, what are you doing? Just like, you know, I was trying not to appear psycho, but it just, it was very, very uncomfortable. But that, that taught me a couple of things. And I, I don't remember if I had any great big revelations, but I do remember just the way I felt after 24 hours of just unplugging. It's like, you know, I felt like I encountered God in, in a new and fresh way, and I, I hope that for you. So that's a very simple thing. It's only 24 hours. You can do this. I would love to, we're going to have posts on our Facebook page about this, and we'd love for you just to join in and have your friends join in, and then we'll kind of talk about uh, what were some of the side effects of this. Hopefully they're all beneficial. So Dan, if you could throw that slide up there again, I just want to remind us that our time is limited. Our time is so short. Our time is limited. Uh, so we need to limit how we spend our time. We've got to be so very careful and protected about how we spend every moment. You know, and there's things we can do, like a dorky planned power outage or filling up your water bottles a different way. But I really believe this more than anything is that we're going to need God's help to do this. I don't think there's any way we can do this kind of stuff and this kind of uh, mental and spiritual disciplines without God's help, without God directing this and giving us the real reason of why we do this. And so I'm just going to pray for us. So would you join me in prayer as we ask for God help, God's help in this area? Let's pray. Now God, we just confess to you that we've, we've really blown it in this area. Uh, we're just so prone to, to rushing and striving for it. Don't even really know what it is, but um, God, we're so sorry for just going through life and, and sometimes missing the most important things, uh, missing the, the people that you've called us to, to reach out to and invest in and love. Uh, so God, teach us. Teach us how to slow life down, not so that we will just be less stressed and anxious, but that we'll learn to trust you and that we would learn to... Um, extend love to other people, having you be the power inside of us that accomplishes that. And we ask that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.